Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Perfect timing. What's going on, Conrad Thompson? I'm good, dude. How are you? Thanks for calling in, bro. Thanks for having me. So, Conrad, I was just about to introduce you. Uh, January, WWE hosted the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. During the program, they showed all the legendary wrestlers and characters throughout the years, and boom, Brother Love shows up on the screen. And I see that Bruce Pritchard has a podcast with this dude, Conrad. So I'm, I'm a big podcast guy. I don't listen to music. I'm going to check it out. Dude, it's hands down my top two or three podcasts. So for you coming on now, you guys crush it. I'm beyond stoked to have you on, man. Oh, it's very nice of you to say, man. I appreciate that. We've worked hard to try to create something fun, and it's cool to hear that people are digging it. Well, you know people are digging it. Now, Conrad, do the plug. Instead of me trying to plug it, just plug what your podcast is and what makes it one of the most downloaded podcasts on the internet. Well, instead of having a guest, which is the typical wrestling podcast format, uh, Bruce and I examine one topic, and we do what I like to call a deep dive. You know, sometimes those will be two hours. Sometimes they'll be five hours on a singular topic. And we do that every Friday at noon. And we cover topics from the WWF from 1987, starting in April of that year, all the way until November of 19, or I'm sorry, November of 2008. And we even occasionally veer out of that lane and talk about Houston wrestling, which is where Bruce was prior to the WWF. Or even TNA, which is where Bruce wound up after his run in WWE. And uh, along the way, we've been able to uh, pick up a couple of Podcast of the Year awards because our <laughs> content is so different. And that sort of shocks me because we're a wrestling podcast. But check it out. Fridays at noon, it's called Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. And then on Mondays, I have two other shows. One with Tony Schiavone, where we do a fun watch-along type gimmick. It's essentially Mystery Science Theater 3000 for bad WCW wrestling. That's called What <laughs> Happened When with Tony Schiavone. And Eric Bischoff and I have just recently kicked off 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff, where we take a look at the business side of running World Championship Wrestling. You can catch all three of those shows for free every week. It's 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff and What Happened When with Tony Schiavone on Monday. And then your Friday noon main event is Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. If you happen to subscribe to the WWE Network, Bruce and I have a video show there that airs Wednesday nights as well, something else to wrestle. The exact same format, except here, we can actually show WWE footage, which makes it all that much better. Now, I got to ask the generic question, and I know you've probably done a million interviews, especially how its popular podcast has gotten. How did you get involved with Bruce Pritchard doing these podcasts, and did you guys have a relationship before the show? I met Bruce through uh, Ric Flair. Uh, of course, when you know Ric Flair, you eventually get to meet everybody, and that's exactly <laughs> how this came together. You know, we um, <clears throat> once we spend a little time together, I was able to hear some of his stories, and I thought, man, this is a podcast. So I pitched him on the idea of doing a podcast, and eventually he came around to it, and I'm glad he did because uh, we're having fun with what we're doing. Now, you said you knew it was a podcast. I have a lot of friends that are in the, you know, the sports business, a lot of athletes. They'll tell one or, good, uh, one or two good stories. I'm like, oh, that would be a good podcast. How did you know that Bruce had just all the plethora of stories that can just really captivate an audience to do a long-time podcast? Well, I mean, he was there for 20-something years, and he just has a way to, to sort of you know, tell a story, whether it's um, you know, embellishing details when necessary or way over the top impressions. You know, his impressions are really caricatures of impressions and um they're phenomenal. So when you combine, 
you know, his, his time there, his ability to tell a story and be funny and engaging, but then he sprinkled some impressions on top. I thought he became like a one man band. Now, Conor, you said when you met him, did you know that, cause you're a huge wrestling fan. Did you know that Bruce was like as influential or important to the organization? Did you know that? Yeah, I knew he was on the inner circle. I knew for years and years there was um, really three guys sitting around Vince's pool making it happen. Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, and Bruce Prichard. Realistically, we're never going to hear it from Vince. He's not going to go back and revisit those stories. And it's unlikely that Pat Patterson is going to betray those confidences because he's still very much on the inside. So Bruce Prichard, who almost felt exiled at the time, blackballed, if you will, it was just a natural fit. Now, Conrad, you're sitting around, you're talking to Bruce, you hear his story. When was the moment? Was there one story when you're like, all right, hold on, let me get a mic because the world of wrestling fans need to hear this story? Absolutely. It was uh, the radicals. Uh, you know, I, I leaned over and said, hey, man, what happened when, and I finished the sentence, the radicals jumped from WCW to the WWF. And honestly, I didn't really care that much about the radicals. I was never super radicals fan. And I know that feels a little bit. I don't know, sacrilege to say that you weren't a huge fan of theirs, but I wasn't. And he was able to tell a story that just captivated me. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat at the end, just following up, asking questions. I wanted to know the little details. As wrestling fans, there's almost like this thirst for information that we don't have. And man, he gave it to me in spades that day. So yeah, the Radicals episode, had he not told me that, I don't know that I would have had the idea for a podcast. What have you done with your first paycheck from Vince McMahon? Did you cash it or did you frame it? Well, it wasn't made to me personally. You know, it was very much, um, you know, made to the LLC. And, uh, you know, yeah, it went in the bank. I, I didn't have any, like, uh, any fancy plans for it. It's just sitting in the bank. Now, I think the reason the podcast has so much buzz is, like, the passion you put in for it, like, I'm an old school wrestling fan. I probably haven't watched for like 10 years. I'll watch it here and there, but I still, I got the WWE network. I'm still watching all random WrestleMania three. I'll put on all old stuff. I have to stress that you guys don't just say, Hey, so how's WrestleMania four? You're breaking down why Bruce, the barber wore those tights. Why the British bulldog walked down Matilda three hours, breaking down the matches the previews Saturday night main event before how much time are you putting into this? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the, the reality is uh, it's different by topic. You know, if we're being asked to cover a guy's, you know, 15 year career, uh, then we're, we're probably going to back off a little bit of the detail in an effort to try to make it all fit inside of, you know, one sitting because you don't want to run through every single match he had on TV. However, if you're going to try to cover, you know, a two year period, then you can get way, way, way more granular. And some of that is just based on appetite, you know, so WrestleMania four, you can pretty much cover, you know, the two months leading up to it because there wasn't like a raw every week where things were changing. So you could, you could cover maybe the two or three months leading up to it. And then, you know, the month after, and then the actual show and, and that's a full three hours. And now I'm yeah, I'm sorry, Bruce. For a, for a British Bulldog, that's different. You know, I mean, you've got to cover all of that time. So it's not going to be as interesting to hear what he did in the third week of November of 88. Let's, <laughs> you know, let's hit top points and, 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 and paint with broader strokes. And the reason you do that is, candidly, we could come back and we could do a 
you know, The Rock 96, 97, and then we can do The Rock 98, 99. Nobody's going to want to hear British Bulldog 88, 89. I mean, I know that that's not popular to say, but that's the reality. So it is me sort of having to just do my best judgment based on what I think people want to hear. Now, Connor, let me ask you this, because I'm glad to have you on. Now I can just personally ask you, because I just, I'm a big traveler. <clears throat> I travel all the time. And so I would download 20, 30 different podcasts on these flights. Now when I have yours, I have a big Bossman episode for three hours. So I love it. It kills the flight. Does Bruce know these questions beforehand? Have you, or do you go flat out on the blind with them? No, you know, once upon a time, yeah, it was just straight up off. I mean, shooting from the hip, there was no prep on my side and he didn't know what was coming. Eventually I started to do prep and I would share it with him the day before or the day of, and and that's the format. Now I, I put the real show format on a Google doc and then I share it with him either the night before the day of whatever. And, uh, we're ready to go. Were you nervous while putting this podcast together? You're getting more steam. You're getting more popular. You're on a lot of radio shows. You know how popular you guys, is it true? You guys hit like what? 3 million downloads the month. Is that true? Yeah, well, we've we've done we've done six million. Um, we've been able to hit six million in a month on something to wrestle. But, you know, that's not the case with the other shows. You know, Tony's show probably peaked around um, nine hundred a month, nine hundred thousand, and uh, Eric's show is is picking up steam. You know, our debut episode did like a hundred thousand downloads in the first two days. So it'll continue to build. But the the Bruce Pritchard show really gained momentum. You know, that first episode only did like 30,000 downloads the first few days and then eventually got to 60. But then in time, when people discovered the show, much like you did, they go back and then they binge on the archives. So yeah, you're really that's able exactly to... exactly what I did. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody does. And, and, and that was sort of the idea going in, you know, and, and that sounds weird, but I'm a business owner and I'm an entrepreneur. And so one of the things you do when you think like that is you say, Hey, what's nobody else doing? How, what can I do to separate myself? And I realized the way I consume podcasts was not sustainable. And what I mean is I subscribe to Austin. I subscribe to Jericho. I subscribe to JR, but here's what I do. I look and see who the guest is. And then I decide, Oh, I want to hear that or no, I don't care. And so the ones I don't care, I never get around to ever. Like I just never go there. I wanted to create a show that was something people wanted to listen to no matter what. If you're a fan of this show, you want to listen to all the episodes. And I consume Howard Stern radio that way. It doesn't matter to me who the guest on Howard Stern is. I want to hear. If, he, if Howard has a new episode, I want to hear. And how could I create that with a podcast? And we've been able to do that now. And a lot of that is based on, A, not having guests, and B, creating evergreen content, meaning we're not talking about SummerSlam from this past year. We're talking about SummerSlam from 30 years ago. And for some weird reason, that means it doesn't get old. That's an interesting dynamic because <laughs> when something's that old, then it's nostalgia. But when something's seven months old, it just sucks. Uh, you're on the radar now with anything. Any wrestlers that have got pissed at you or called you guys out yet? Yeah, Steve Austin and Go Bill Goldberg both have me blocked. But uh, Really? That's it. Well, that's actually surprising. You guys really don't crush more than newer guys. Is that a badge of well, honor for you? <clears throat> no, no, I think that I think people who celebrate being blocked are a little dumb. I mean, it is shocking yeah, yeah. to me sometimes that I get blocked, and I, I'll mention it, you know, just to uh, you know make a joke out of it. But in the end, I mean, I have both of those guys' phone numbers. I'm not gonna call them or text them and say, "What did you block me?" It's, it's <laughs> Twitter. I, I don't care, you know. And and most of the time, if we're honest, 
they didn't block me because it's something I said. They blocked me because one of our fans tagged mm-hmm. them, you know, and said, you know, well, Conrad said or whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't take the show very seriously. I know that sounds silly to say, but I, I'm trying to be entertaining. And so I'm going to say whatever it takes to be entertaining on the show. And either you get that or you don't. Conrad, more important, you have a real job. How the hell do you have a real job while doing hours and hours of research? No sleep till Brooklyn, man. You know, I don't go to bed until <laughs> a.m. I'm, I'm back up at 6 a.m. And the entire time I am awake, I am working on something. You know, I adopted a philosophy, uh, I would say, eight years ago. If it's not fun or it doesn't pay me money, I'm not doing it. And, you know, that's the way I've sort of set up my life with my business. And, and now my second business with this, this certainly started as a hobby, but I had a vision for, and this sounds silly, I'm going to create content that I can advertise my mortgage company on. You know, the idea behind these podcasts was always to sell mortgages because in my real life, I'm out here running around buying radio and TV and, you know, social media advertising. I'm paying out of pocket to advertise my, my product at the mortgage company. Well, if I can create my own audience here, then I don't have to pay and I might even get paid. And that's exactly what's happened. So I'm paid to promote other people's products. I get to promote mine for free. And that's always really been the payoff. Let's create an audience that hopefully knows me, likes me and trusts me and will give me an opportunity to help them save money on their next home loan. That's always been the intent. Is, is for it to be almost a, a loss leader for the mortgage company, and it's working. Conrad, you got that sweet, soothed Southern accent. Everyone's going to trust an Alabama guy. Well, listen, I'm not trying to be Jake the Snake Roberts over here and, and convince people to trust me, but I am trying <laughs> to be honest and sincere. And I, I do feel like if, if you're willing to do that, people will respond. At least that's been my experience. All right, I'm going to hit you with a few quick questions. You ready? I'm ready. Does Hulk Hogan come back to WWE? Anytime soon. Absolutely. He'll be there within the year. What's with the Dave Meltzer beef? Like every show you guys bring him up, what's his importance? Like I Googled him. I realized his importance. What's his importance to wrestling back then? His importance to wrestling, not just back then, but now, you know, he's wrestling's true critic. He's wrestling's true beat reporter. And a lot of times when people say critic, you know, they say, oh, well, how can you critique art? I get that, but at the same time, you know, people are, Siskel and Ebert made a living out of it, and Rotten Tomatoes makes a living off of it. And, you know, it create, he has created a culture where, you know, people like myself, I, I, I've been subscribing to the newsletter and I've seen everything he's done for over 21 years. And we have such a fanfare now that he's almost become a celebrity himself to us because of his analysis, because of his ridiculous commitment. You know, he's writing hundreds of thousands of words every single week about professional wrestling. Nobody has covered it that long, that consistently. And nobody, you know, there's lots of other really talented reporters. Mike Johnson comes to mind. Mike Johnson's probably scoops of the internet. If you're a wrestling fan and you want to know what's going on with the current product, Mike Johnson has his finger on the pulse as good as anybody else. However, Mike's been doing it, you know, what, 15 years, maybe, maybe more. Meanwhile, you know, Meltzer's been doing this 35 years. You just don't, you know, and he's got everything he's ever done posted online. So if you're really curious about learning about the history of professional wrestling, there's nowhere better to look than WrestlingObserver.com. Yeah, he, he's absolutely phenomenal. He really is. 
Any ideas of ever having a wrestler on as like a third mic just to talk about a certain situation or just going to be you and Bruce on this one? Me and Bruce, and that's it forever. You know, no guests needed as part of our gimmick. And I don't plan to deviate from that. It's worked, and I'm not, I'm not going to move away from that. Sometimes you and Bruce seem to get like annoyed with each other. You seem to get frustrated, and it's funny because as a fan, I'm like, shit, Bruce, answer that question. We want Conrad just hit you. Is it shtick, or sometimes you actually do get frustrated with him? No, I really do get frustrated with him, and he <laughs> really does get frustrated with me. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we're not friends. I think a lot of times people assume that Bruce and I get so sideways that we're not friends in real life. We're best of friends in real life, but we're also trying to entertain you, and if you think about the most successful formats in talk radio, whether it's sports or it's politics, there's always something being debated and it's point counterpoint, his version of events based on his recollection, which is sometimes a little fuzzy. I mean, it's over 20 years ago, sometimes 30 years ago. And then there's my version where I'm literally espousing Dave Meltzer's version, because that is really all we fans have ever had to go off of. Besides the occasional shoot interview and barring the occasional WWE documentary that's sort of been whitewashed, there's one man's account that you could usually count on, and that's Dave Meltzer. So that's what we do. When you, like uh, we said earlier, some episodes they're watch along or they're three or four hours. I believe The Rockers was four hours. Now, I consumed it. I had a long flight, four hours for me, helped the plane ride. Ever nervous? Like you're looking down, like, wow, this is two hours and 40 minutes. And do I keep going? You ever get like apprehensive about that? Nope. You know, there's a pause button. So I, I want to cover the topic as, as thoroughly as we can. And I want to make it as interesting as we can. And if I feel like cutting this part or that part out will affect the story and not tell the complete story, but maybe 90%, then I'm going to push for that other 10 rather than looking to be a little shorter to hit an artificial milestone of, you know, three hours. I would rather be a little longer and be more complete and be three hours and 10 minutes. I love that you mentioned Bruce's impressions because when he does Vince and Cornette, dude, they crack me up. What's your favorite Bruce Pritchett impression? Yeah, that's different all the time. You know, sometimes it is Jim Cornette. Sometimes it's Johnny Ace. Um, <laughs> lately, it's it's probably Bob Holly. You live in Alabama, right? I do. I'm a fan, so don't hold it against me. I'm the biggest Kentucky basketball fan you're ever going to meet, so don't hold it against me. Now, Bruce is down wearing Texas. You guys ever going to do the show live together? Because it's that popular, or you don't want to leave uh, down in Alabama? Oh, yeah. We do live shows every single month. We've got a tour. Uh, we started uh, last WrestleMania in Orlando, and last year we did um, 10 shows, and this year we'll probably do 20. Our next show is in Chicago at the House of Blues on June 16th. We sold it out, but we convinced them to add some more chairs, so a few seats remain now at BrucePritchard.com. And then in July, we have just announced Rochester, New York, and that's on July 7th. There's rumor and innuendo that Albany might be getting one the next day on the 8th. And then on the 15th, we're in Pittsburgh. So we're going to keep this tour going into August where we're at Gramercy in Manhattan over SummerSlam weekend. And then a giant convention over Labor Day weekend in Chicago called StarCast. We'll keep it going through September with shots in San Antonio on the 15th, Nashville on the 30th. In October, we'll be in L.A. In November, we'll be in uh, San Jose. And then in December, we're back in Boston. So we're, we're keeping the tour going, not just stateside, but we are going to announce dates in England for December and then back here in time for the Royal Rumble 
uh, where we're going to be just a couple of blocks down from the stadium there in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, Karen, what exactly does the live show what you guys entail? So I'm going to go – I live three blocks from Gramercy's Theater, so I'm going to be at the New York one. What, uh, what does it entail? What am I going to expect when I go there? Well, you're going to get – you know, obviously, if you buy a VIP, you'll get to do a meet and greet, and you'll get to come in early. So you'll get preferred seating. You can pick exactly where you want to sit. You get primo seating for that. But you'll also have an opportunity to meet Bruce and I. We're going to have a, a, a really cool little collectible for you. It's like a lanyard that's going to be custom for that show. It's a fun graphic you can't get anywhere else that lets everybody know that you were here and you were VIP. We'll also have a, a custom 8 by 10 That's a, a fun, silly little graphic that we'll go ahead and autograph for you. We'll have all of that inside of a something to wrestle koozie that you can't purchase. It's only available here at the live shows. And then we'll take your pictures, sign whatever stuff you may have from back in the day with Brother Love. And then we're going to try to make you laugh for two hours. We'll have... Uh, all of our heads on sticks like we do on the WWE Network. We'll tell you some stories that you can't hear on the podcast because really they're more about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And then we'll have a special guest. And and that's usually the format. And uh, the, the shows run exactly two hours on the nose. Growing up, we're all wrestlers. My brother and I had like our little federation. What was your gimmick growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, you know, did the couch wrestling. You take the pillows off the couch, and you and your buddies use it as a ring, and you're jumping off the couch with the flying elbow smashes and <laughs> having tag team matches with three of your buddies and trying to see if the the camel clutch and the sharpshooter are real mission moves. I think everybody our age did that. Did you have a certain gimmick? Like, who was your guy? No, you know, me and my friends, we're, we were, we were uh, usually tag team guys. So I would usually be one of the Nasty Boys or one of the Steiner Brothers. I mean, that was our big thing is we wanted to do tag team wrestling, and we had a great time with that. Conrad, going back, watching all the matches, so it's forcing you now to watch. And I'm glad you mentioned WrestleMania four, and I did also. That was the first live event I ever went to. And up until a few years ago, I thought it was the greatest wrestling event of all time. There was a tournament. You go back, you're like, it wasn't the greatest. It was the best fun I had. But it wasn't the greatest. Going back, watching old videos, what's one thing that sticks out? Hey, I thought it was amazing, but... I don't really have that, man. You know, um, hard to say. I mean, I'm with you. I think WrestleMania 4 is pretty overrated. But I, I, I don't really know. So when you go back, you don't, like, you, you don't say, wow, I, I guess my mind was a little different back then. Because I thought this was the coolest thing ever, and it wasn't. I mean, probably WrestleMania, as you said. But it's, it's hard for me to really think of one off the top of my head that, in hindsight, kind of sucked. All right, we're going to wrap it up now with five quick questions. Top five wrestlers of all time. Well, it's hard to say. You know, this is so subjective. Uh, it's almost like a Mount Rushmore type question. To me, you know, when I can turn something on and be entertained by it, no matter, and I know I'm going to be entertained no matter what, as long as these guys are in it. To me, that's uh, Ric Flair. That's Dusty Rhodes. That's Hulk Hogan. That's the Macho Man. And the fifth one is what I really struggle with because, I mean, it, the answer is supposed to be Steve Austin. But some of that feels so recent that I almost feel like I need to go back more towards my childhood. Um, but if we're being you know, fair and honest, it's got to be Steve Austin. Yeah, of course. They changed it all. Does Alabama repeat as national champions? Yes, every year until Nick Saban <laughs> decides to leave. Do you have any wrestling memorabilia that really means a lot to you? Yeah, I've got a Ric Flair robe. That's the coolest wrestling collectible that anybody could have. Now, obviously not getting personal. You're engaged or married to his daughter, correct? Did he give you the robe? No, no, absolutely not. Oh, he doesn't really? even have any. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't. I think people assume that he's he's more sentimental about that stuff than he really is. He could care. He couldn't care less. Coolest person in your phone. Who's the coolest dude that if you texted them right now, they would text you right back? Hulk Hogan, no doubt. Oh, that's the winner of all. And Kyron, I'm gonna be honest. So I've done maybe just say a hundred shows. Every guest I've ever had on, I always ask them that question, and I'm gonna be dead honest with you. Hulk Hogan's the coolest answer. And uh, finally. Is there one show, I know you guys are crushing them, doing all different uh, pay-per-views and all the wrestling. Is there one topic you're dying to crush? China. China and the WWE will be the show that nobody thinks they want, but everybody will be talking about. And everyone's going to listen to that. Hey, listen, my friend, and I really mean this, your podcast instantly became one of my favorites, and it, the nostalgia of it, I think that's what wrestling is so important with, because, like I said, I'm laying around, I, I'm walking around my neighborhood for an hour, and I have the podcast in. Dude, you do such a good job. I couldn't even imagine you and Bruce Pritch. I didn't even know who you were. Just captivating an audience, man. You do such a good job. And I hope when you get to New York, we can link up and do something, man. All right, that sounds great, man. We're going to be there in August. Get your tickets now at BrucePritchard.com. If you'd like to uh, talk a little wrestling on Twitter, I'm at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. And I would be uh, proud to have your follow. And let's have some fun. Conrad, this is a pleasure, my friend. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. Thanks, bud. Conrad Thompson. So, like I said in the beginning of the show, I'm watching WWE, the 25th anniversary. Brother Love on the screen. I get all pumped up. I Google him. It's like, oh, Brother Love has a podcast. But don't we all? We all have podcasts. So I'm like, I'll check it out. Eh, It's a wrestling podcast. Uh, I listen to Stone Cold. Do I really want to listen to another one? Anyway, I look, and I think it was a, they had a WrestleMania episode. I'm like, oh, I haven't talked about or listened to or watched WrestleMania 5 in 25 years. And he just goes on a level you would never think of. He's like, hey, Mean Gene's holding the mic this way. Why is he asking this question? And if you're an obsessive old school wrestling fan and want to hear just amazing stories, you don't realize that Brother Love was Vince McMahon's right-hand man. It's beyond cool. Check out the podcast. Hopefully, we're going to do something live from Jack Dempsey's when they're up here. That was the plan. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Subscribe to my podcast, Mike Sappho, M-I-K-E-S-A-F-O. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Sappho. Thank you, everybody, for listening.